This story happened a little while back, but it still creeps me out just about every time I think about it. That being said, some of you may find this to be a little lengthy, but I think it fits here very well. I'm an adult male with a tall build at around 250 pounds, and I live with my dog. My neighborhood is considered one of the nicer ones in my city, but it isn't without its share of crime incidents. Most of these tend to be car break-ins where people are looking for easy grabs left in plain sight. And in some of the worst cases, the rare robberies of college students not from the area or people walking around who are otherwise not paying attention to their surroundings. Growing up, I lived in much rougher parts of the city, so being alert and observant has always been second nature to me, especially at night. So much so that when my dog and I go for his nightly walk, he knows that it's all about the business of doing his business and doing it quickly with as little dilly-dallying as possible. On this particular evening, I was running late with a work project that had to get completed on time, and our walk was delayed about an hour past our regular time to nearly 10 o'clock p.m. I absolutely hate going out too late. Already feeling anxious about missing our regular time when other dog owners are out doing the same thing, something told me to make sure that I carried this time. So, after I got my dog in his harness and out the door, we started on our usual walk up the street, moving at a slightly more brisk pace than usual. At this hour, the street is completely empty of pedestrians or car traffic, just eerily quiet. We get about halfway up the street before we start sniffing around for a good area. That's when I spot a red pickup truck flying down the street well over the speed limit. The truck eventually comes to a screeching halt in the middle of the street, about 30 feet ahead of us. As soon as he hit the brakes, I quickly walked us a little further up as to put a row of the sporadically spaced parked cars on the street in between us, and then continue walking while all the while maintaining eyes on the truck. As we walk by, the driver's side door opens and a guy gets out. He's bent over and coughing profusely, like a lot a lot, and hacking up spit and whatnot in the middle of the street while holding on to the inside of the truck door with tinted windows. My dog and I both keep our eyes on this guy as we're walking past, no more than about 25 feet away from him. He then looks up at me while still keeping one arm inside the car door and says, Hey, can you come here for a second? Without breaking stride, I say, Yeah, no way, man. While rotating my body and walking backward as we pass him, as to not turn my back to him. While still backing away on our path, I do ask him what's wrong. That's when he says, I'm not feeling well. Can you please just come over here? While still backing away, I tell him no, plainly, matter-of-factly, and that he can pull into any of the parking spaces on the side of the street and rest there until he feels better. Or that I can call him an ambulance if he's really that bad off. Upon hearing this, his face instantly contorted and went into what I can only consider a snarl. He was also suddenly no longer having coughing fits or under any sort of visible physical distress. Clearly pissed that I wouldn't cooperate, he then closes the door slightly, but so that it's still ajar, and his arm that was behind it 
is concealed behind his back now. That's when he starts towards us, saying, Please come here, sir. I told you that I wasn't feeling well. I then clip my dog's leash to my belt and get parallel against the side of a large SUV parked on my side of the street, leaving what I would guess is about 10 to 15 feet between us. I also move my hand behind my back to my waistband and tell him that's close enough while standing my spot behind the vehicle. He then stares at me and I can literally see him working the math in his head on what the chances are of me bluffing. Without a word, he turns around and heads back to the truck, but doesn't leave. He reaches inside with a concealed hand and holds for about 10 seconds before he looks back at me over his shoulder and stares for another 10 seconds, only to see that I'm staring right back at him. I haven't left my position next to the buffer vehicle, and I haven't turned my back to him. He says something to someone else in the passenger seat who's obscured by the tint, and then very quickly hops in, slams the door shut, and speeds off back up the street into the night. Upon later examination, I can only guess that dude was going to try to rob me, or something worse. But I think that both me and my dog played our parts to the T. If I could go back, I don't think there's anything that I would change, except for making a little bit more time earlier in the night to take my dog out. I encourage anybody and everybody, whether you live in the good part of town or the rougher spots, be aware of your surroundings and don't ever be that easy victim. So this happened to my mom maybe three or four years ago. My mom is no longer with us. She passed away. But she was maybe 40 at the time of this happening. She was a very pretty woman. Looked young for her age. She even had instances of total strangers proposing to her out of nowhere. Everyone seemed pretty much obsessed with her. And that being said, she was no stranger to dealing with creeps. So one day, she was at Woodman's, which, for those of you who don't know, is a grocery store chain here in the Midwest. It wasn't really in a bad area, but it was close to a bad area, and was right off the freeway, so it could get kind of sketchy. She always told me that she didn't want me going there alone, especially at night. The times that I would accompany her to the grocery store at night, I was told not to leave her side, even though... I was about 18 years old at the time and damn near my own adult. So anyway, this particular day, she was there during the afternoon, doing her grocery shopping alone. That's when she noticed a man in the same aisle as her. He was looking at her, and when she would turn to look at him, he would glance away and act as if he was looking at something on the shelves. Honestly, she didn't think much of it. As I mentioned, she's dealt with her fair share of creeps. So she grabbed what she needed from that aisle and moved on to another. But that's when she noticed him again, same aisle as her, doing the same exact thing. This time, it kind of rubbed her the wrong way, but she went about her business and again moved on. But the man kept following her throughout the store. Now, it's worth mentioning that my mom was not one to be messed with. 
She was a very confrontational Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill woman, never backed away from a fight, has beaten the shit out of men before, while also taking beatings from them. She even usually carried a weapon. Things of that nature. So as she's getting ready to check out, this man is still following her. Now she's pretty pissed off and didn't feel safe leaving, so she alerted an employee, and the checker went to go get the manager. That's when my mom took this opportunity to tell this guy right off, saying something like, can I help you? And what the f do you want anyway? He replied back to her in a cold and calm manner, saying, you look like the kind of girl who would look really good in someone's basement. At this point, she was not only mad, but absolutely terrified. I mean, who pulls that line out of nowhere anyway? The manager came up, and while my mom was telling them about the guy and what he had said, that's when the guy ran off. The police were called, and they were able to find the guy, hanging out somewhere near the parking lot. But all they did was escort him off the property. That's all they could really do anyway. My mom was terrified that the guy was lurking somewhere, waiting to see her get into her car, before proceeding to follow her. She ended up calling me in tears, saying she was afraid, and if she was going to be followed or abducted, she wanted someone to know. So she and I stayed on the phone till she arrived home. Thankfully, safely. It took a lot to shake or scare my mom, but she had really good intuition. So for her to be as shaken as she was, this man had to be as creepy as they come. His comment to her only proved that further. In the end, she was okay, but I can't imagine what would have happened if she didn't tell someone, or if that man did end up waiting for her and following her home. We'll never have to know for sure, but even the thought of it still sends shivers down my spine. Fair warning, this story has some graphic details built into it. I want to get this out there because it's been heavy on my shoulders for over a year now. The evening that this took place is a national holiday here in my country. After having a nice meal with some friends, my boyfriend asked me if we could go and check on one of his longtime friends, sort of a big brother, little brother relationship, because the friend was in a poor state of health and truly wasn't feeling well at the time. So on our way home, we stopped by his place couldn't have been later than 10 or 10.30 p.m. We got there, had a beer, chatted with the guy, his wife, and stepson for a little while. After 45 minutes or so, we were about to make our way home when we heard what we thought was a howling noise coming from in front of the friend's house. Although, in retrospect, it was much more guttural than a howl. Think more like a growl. 
the friend's stepson opened the door and asked what was going on, but before the young man even had a chance to finish his sentence, a man erupts through the now open door. This man is absolutely covered in blood. I mean dark, black, dried blood, and so very much of it. I thought he had a dark skin tone since he was so supremely covered. It took me 30 seconds, although it felt more like 5 minutes, to realize the now hardened blood had come from gigantic slashes ingrained on this man's scalp and head and wasn't indicative of a dark complexion. I must say, he looked and sounded exactly like a more vivant, which is a French word for zombie. It literally translates into English as dead alive, and that's what he looked like to me, an embodiment of the walking dead. The guy had three deep gashes on his head. The biggest was from the middle of his forehead straight to the back of his head, two inches wide at the largest. This guy burst in screaming and yelling before falling to the ground in a heap. That's when everybody just freezes, almost like in a movie. I think that both myself and my boyfriend snapped out of the haze at the exact same moment because we sprang into action. We grab the guy who appears to be in shock now by the legs and arms and rush him out to our car. Once he's in the passenger seat, we get in and take off down the road. We had put him in the front seat so that my boyfriend could drive, and I could focus on keeping this guy awake and with us. I can't really explain what was going through my mind, but I knew that if we weren't on our way to the hospital right away, there was no way this guy was going to make it. I called 911 the minute we got on the road so that they could send an ambulance to meet us on our way to the hospital. But the dispatcher on the phone asked me to pull the car to the side of the highway and just wait for paramedics to arrive. I knew there was no way we could do that without potentially costing this man his life. I mean, for God's sake, he was dying in my arms already. We got to the hospital before the ambulance and before the police. But as soon as we pull into the lot, there were medics and nurses waiting for us. They helped the man out of the car and into the hospital right away. The police arrived shortly thereafter and interviewed us to learn what had happened. As we're being talked to, one of the medical staff alerts both us and the police that the man has fallen into a coma. This was before the police could even speak to the man. And from that moment on, it felt like the police began procedures for a homicide investigation. And because we were the only other parties present, we were considered either witnesses to a possible murder or the prime suspects for said murder. They finally ended up letting us go home around 4 a.m. However, the cops did ask us to come to the station the next day for further questioning. Once there, they did let us know fairly early on that they were now aware that we had nothing to do with whatever crime had been committed against the man. They also informed us that the guy had pulled out of his coma early in the day, but by the time they had made it back to get a statement, he had exited the hospital and left in a cab, with his destination being who knows. They said that it was likely that the man had sustained those injuries and wounds from a machete attack, potentially stemming from gang-related violence. And the only reason that he survived 
in addition to us getting him to the hospital, was the fact that he was on a considerable amount of heroin when he was assaulted. This, in effect, slowed his heart down so much so that it kept him from bleeding out. Had he not been on the drugs, he likely would have passed without ever having made it to the hospital. I can tell you now that I will never forget that night, that blood, the zombie man, and those screams. The only thing that provides me comfort is knowing that I did everything within my power to save a life.